This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, The Back Pass is joined by former Australian handball captain Tomek. We'll be having a conversation with Tomek about the state of handball in Australia and New Zealand and everything there is to know about handball. All that and more coming right up. Welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Shivang, and I'm joined by the former captain of the Australian handball team, Tomek. Hello. And also on the panel, I have Ali and Kevin with me. Hey, how's it going? Right, gentlemen, welcome to the show. So, Tomek, we'll start with you as our guest. Thank you for coming on the show. First things first, can you tell us a bit about yourself and about handball so that our listeners have a feeling for what this sport is about? Yeah, sure. So, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, My name is Tomek, and originally I come from uh, Poland. And uh, I've been playing handball for about now... Uh, 30 years, close to that. I think it's 28, actually. Um, and, yeah, I've been representing Australia, Oceania, and Sydney University on the international state in handball. Um, handball, the easiest way to explain handball, it's an Olympic sport that you play on the indoor soccer field with your hands. Essentially, that's that's the easiest way to describe it. Or maybe imagine playing water polo without water. That's probably the easiest way to, to say it. It's the second second fastest team sport on the planet. The only right. one only one team sport yeah. is faster, and that's ice hockey. Wow! Yeah. So okay. wow, interesting. Globally, globally, we have I think it's um, thirty million people registered players around the around, around the world playing the sport. So comparing it to, for example, rugby, where you have eight million people, it's kind of it's kind of a big deal yeah. around the world. So which which countries, Tomek, predominantly play handball then? At the moment, the, obviously the biggest stage and arena would be Europe, um, where mm. everything from Scandinavia down to Balkan region, Spain, France, everybody there, except except the Anglo-Saxon countries, right? Everything with the background of England, like um, England, Canada, Australia, South, South Africa, those countries are in the stage of developing the handball right now. Yeah. Even even India at the moment, the handball and the sport is growing, and I know they they're putting money in creating a league there. Um, but yeah, Europe is the main base, and then probably moving towards Asia and um, South America. So that will be the three biggest regions of handball. Mm. Wow, Interesting, cool. especially with India. It looks like um, Stephen McIver might be heading over to India to commentate on that. <laughs> we should get in touch with him. Stephen, if you're mm. listening. I was uh, I was actually going to say, like, um, I was reading that uh, handball is actually the second largest sport in Europe, which is insane considering to think about how big uh, football is and that um, mm-hmm. there's so many other sports, but handball is the second largest in Europe. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's that's correct. In terms of in terms of obviously the gap between the soccer, f- football, and, and 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 handball, there is a big gap. But 
handball is the second most most played sport in in in, in Europe. Wow. Hey, Tomic, um, just for our listeners, could you basically give us like a very quick rundowns of the rules of handball? Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's water polo without polo, but like how many players in a team? How do you score? Well, kind of like water polo, but, you know, just the general rundown so that our listeners yeah. um, have something to take away from here. Yeah, sure. So we, we play generally seven against seven. So that's including the goalkeeper, six players on the field plus the goalie. And the switches between inside the team are like ice hockey switch. So you can make as many substitutions as you want, something like basketball as well. And you have uh, 16 players in the team. So seven play at the same time. The the rest of the players are are sitting on the bench and they are your subs. Um, Basically, handball have rules similar to basketball in terms of traveling and steps. The change is that we can make three steps in handball. And in basketball, when you make your two steps, you cannot bounce anymore. That's a count as a, as a traveling. Where in handball, you can make your three steps, bounce, and then catch the ball and make another three steps. So that's the difference between handball and basketball. You score goals similar to um, points, sim- similar to indoor soccer. So one goal, one point, obviously using your hands. There is a six-meter line in front of each goal that the players cannot cross. You can jump before the line and uh, hang in the air above the, the goal area, but you cannot land. You, you, you have to shoot before you land, essentially, on that right. goalkeeper area. Okay. Yeah. So, mm, so yeah, so from um, the defense perspective, it's a full contact sport where the contact is allowed between from the neck, so below the neck towards your belt. You cannot... Uh, that's the contact region um, of the sport. Everything has to happen in front. You cannot mm-hmm. uh, attack, tackle people and you cannot attack someone from behind or from the side. It's illegal action. Right. Yeah. Is there any penalty if the ball touches a player's feet? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, we call that foot. And then obviously the, the player, we, we switch the, the ball to error and the, the other players get the, um, get the possession of the ball. Um, for brutal fouls and attacks, we have yellow card, which uh, the whole team can get three yellow cards. After that, um, every player is going to get two minutes for brutal foul, which means two minutes suspension. The player has to sit off for two minutes, and the team is playing one player down for those two minutes. I see. So it's yeah, it's kind of like um, handball's version of the sin bin, then, just for a condensed amount of time. I, li- I like the cumulative nature of it, that it kind yeah. of like builds yeah. up in a team. Truly embracing a team sport. Yeah. Um, two times three minutes gives you a red card. And then you have uh-huh. to obviously sit off. Um, if you get three times, an uh, individual player gets the third two minutes, it's automatically red card. Obviously, you can get red cards straight away if the foul is super brutal. And the mm-hmm. last pen- pen- uh, penalty is the uh, blue card, which is... Uh, total unsportsman behavior, which is like, I don't know, spit in somebody's face or, or, you know, swear to the goalkeeper or something like that. Yeah. So that's uh, usually finish up with the suspension for upcoming games. Depends on the behavior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I wonder what would happen in football if they introduced a blue card. I reckon teams would just finish with six players. <laughs> you mean with the, uh, with the rugby? <laughs> no, with soccer. Uh, I think, I think soccer, soccer has a red card. <laughs> 
with yes. um, with a report. So that's essentially a blue card. When you get a, a blue card with a report, it's uh, saying that there's unsportsman behavior. Yeah. Mm. Jeez. And what about what about VAR in handball? Because you know, as football, like VAR goes hand in hand with handball. So VAR in handball is only used to check the fouls. Essentially, everything else, like checking the goals and score, it's it's kind of straightforward. What I need to say about the about the rules in handball is that hand, handball as a team sport, the the referees have probably the biggest influence in the game. Mm. They can change right. completely the game dynamics. Yes, hundred percent. This is the only downfall of the sport. I feel like the referee, for example, passive play. The referee decides where to start um, showing her hands up that the game is passive. There is no time clock that you need. 30 seconds to score or something like that. So it's all depends from the referees and how they see the game. Oh, mm. okay. How many referees are there? There's two. Two game referees, two bench referees. Explain bench referee. Yeah, bench sounds referee like sounds interesting. interesting. So it's a timekeeper and a score sheet keeper. Right, okay. Okay, yeah. okay I'm with you now. So those referees checking if the substitutions are made legally, because there is a line that the players can have. Player has to come off for the next player to come in. If if happens other way around, then the player that um, that walked in on the court too early is going to get two minutes straight away. Ooh. And then one player from the team needs to sit down because they need to play with six players. I'm liking the sport. I think it just feels like a sport that's got most of the basics right, like how a sport should be played. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, if you didn't see it before, I'm definitely suggesting of watching um, final of the Champions League game from this year where um, my essentially hometown, uh, Kielce, was playing against, um, uh, against a team from Barcelona. So it's, it was a really good game. It finished with the penalties. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. How do penalties work in this sport? Like, do you just run up and chuck the ball in? No. So you have you have three lines. Essentially, there's four lines in the, uh, on each side of the, of the field next to the goal. So you have a six-meter line, which is that semicircle where you cannot cross. There is a four-meter line, which is just in front of the goal. It's the small line. This line shows where the goalkeeper can come out the furthest uh, for the penalty. Uh, there is a nine-meter line, which is a dotted line just outside the semicircle, and that's a foul line. So every everything that happens between nine and six meters, a foul, always going to get pushed out to that dotted line. And between the dotted line, so nine meters and six meters, there's a seven-meter line, which is a penalty line. So the player put the foot down on before in front of that line can't cross the line and one foot has to be always on the ground while shooting the penalty so you cannot jump and shoot it needs to be on the ground mm. but you can jump to build up some momentum and then land and then throw no 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 after the whistle the referee whistles ready you can you have three seconds for um the ball to be released from your hand to shoot oh okay so you can like mark it. So it's all about body strength. Yeah, it's all body strength. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, you mm -hmm. can play trick, right? You can play so tricks with the goal. It depends accuracy and stuff like that. Yeah. I've seen some oh, videos yeah. on YouTube wherein somebody jumps to throw, but before they actually throw the ball with their full force, they basically roll their hand and do an mm -hmm. underarm throw while the keeper's already got got his arms up to try and yeah. block a high shot. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's a trick shot. It's a spin shot. Depends. There's many different shots and options in handball. So, yeah. Um, there's a lob shot. There is a, a a wrist shot where you know you're releasing only the ball from your wrist. You, you like break the wrist, or you can just spin the wrist around where the ball goes way behind the goalkeeper and just you know sort of gets inside the goal with a with a curve, like a spin shot in yeah. football, I guess. So what's the mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. right? So what's the ball made out of, and how big is it? Uh, the the ball the ball material is. A bit of similar to soccer, I guess, but it's um maybe better to, better to describe volleyball because of the grip. It's not as slippery as a soccer ball. Right. Um, and the size is if the soccer ball is number five, I think that's the regular size. Mm. Yeah, uh, male handball it's number three, so two size smaller. Okay. Yeah, and then female handball it's number two, so smaller than male by by one size. And then junior junior handball is number one. A kid's right. handball, sorry. Not junior. Junior plays number two. Yeah. Right, and we use sticky to play, by the way. Yeah. What's that? What's sticky? So we use resin. Oh, sticky. Yeah. Because oh. yeah. it used to be popular in American football, but I think you got um, So it's very popular for in pole oh, vaulting. Because I was just about to ask if you wear gloves or something, or if they're allowed or not. Yeah, so okay, sticky or resin kind of actually answers that question nicely. Yeah, but does that isn't that like because the ball's passed around is like kind of in mid game, kind of being like the ball's just weirdly sticky, like from everyone else's hands on it, and then your opposition touching it. Trust me, the worst thing that can happen is a sweaty ball. Like that's the worst thing <laughs> happens to the. Yeah. To you and uh, <laughs> and randomly randomly flying between the players, yeah. Um, oh, okay. No, so basically, players, handball players, can obviously use as much sticky as they want. Um, they put usually a tape on their shoe and they put the sticky on the side of the shoe, just to have it. Uh, they don't have to run back to the bench to pick it up for top ups. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a pretty cool incentive. How many times <laughs> have you been hit in the face, Tomic? <laughs> um, so I, I actually lost my front teeth. So my front teeth are not are not real. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, okay. Wow. I got kicked by a goalkeeper, but I, that's my fault a little bit because I jumped uh, on the fast break into the goal instead of on the side. Um, personally, me by myself, I, I didn't get hit that many times. And obviously with the hand, it happens, not with the ball. Usually okay. when the players, you know, def defending you and they're trying to, to grab you, the hands can slip and, you know, smack you in the face and stuff like that. Um, now they put, they implemented a rules and handball that to protect the goalkeepers more. And essentially every, um, every shot in a head where the goalkeeper won't make a move, it's treated as a red card. Oh, so you can't aggressively chuck a ball, chuck the ball at the no. keeper's head. Right. If he didn't make a move, it's a red card. If he did make a move, um, but it still seems like it was intention, it's going to be two minutes suspension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. We have a we have a one player 
And that's actually only one player in the history of handball. Um, and it's, it happens to be my friend that lives uh, three streets away from here. <laughs> he, uh, he actually lost his eye playing handball. Yeah, so, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So how did that happen? Um, he was in attack, and the ball was coming to to him from another player, and the defender was trying to intercept the ball and put a finger in the, the guy's eye mm. by accident, obviously. Mm. And uh, yeah. I was unable to save. Uh, funny enough, that player, uh, after he lost his eye, he came back to play professional sport, and he was still. One of the best left backs in the in the world. Um, his training, his training, his training regime was something that was unseen before in in the sport history. He he basically he, because of one eye, he didn't didn't have a depth. He doesn't feel the yep. depth of the room, right? right? So his training was based with a green tennis ball hanging off the ceiling in a green room, just to try to catch the ball. You know, um, to feel the depth, and uh, yeah, and um, he still um, went. He still got a bronze medal in the world championship, and he still went to two times to Olympics after the accident. So he's wow. a legend. Wow! Yeah, for wow. sure, for yeah. sure. That. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned before that like majority of the handball is played in Europe. So who, which teams are the most dominant? Like who, who wins? Mm -hmm. I guess who's the most prominent international team? So, um, in terms of uh, in terms of the international, in terms of like um, nationalities, probably uh, teams like France, uh, Spain, all the Scandinavian countries like Sweden, Denmark, uh, Norway. All of those countries are dominant. But then you also have teams like um, Slavic teams, like Poland. Um, I would say uh, Slovenia, Hungary, uh, all of those teams are obviously quite strong as well. Balkan countries like uh, Serbia, Croatia, the history of handball is just so, um, so it's a tradition. It's not even a sport. It's mm -hmm. a tradition there. And then you have the strongest league in the world, which is German league, Bundesliga. Wow. Yeah, so all, right. all of those countries, outside of that sort of zone, I would take out as I mentioned before, England, I would take out Italy at the moment and probably Greece. Those teams, those countries are still developing the, the sport. And who would you say would be the best players right now, world over, in handball? Like if somebody's trying to get into handball, mm -hmm. um, who, who's, which players' tapes should they be watching to get an idea for how the very best of the best play the sport? Yeah, yeah so, yeah, I, can, I, I could probably give you like, the top for me, the top five players would be on the on the left wing would be like Uwe Gensheimer from Germany, uh, Nikola Karabatic from France. Uh, then you have Danish players like Mikkel Hansen. Um, then I want to think about Poland. You have Kamil Sipschak on the pivot position. Uh, goalkeeper prob probably Andreas Wolf or Niklas Landin, so German Danish. Um, yeah, those those kind of players probably at mm -hmm. the moment. Yeah. And of course, there's Tomek Sklarski. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't watch me. <laughs> well, we would. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. Oh. Nice. I'd be ever so slightly concerned about you if you started watching your own tapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, isn't isn't that just good, like, 
people like well yeah like, you could watch them do right to self-improve like, yeah. as long as it's not for yeah. vanity yeah then then i don't have enough lifetime to improve <laughs> um i usually i usually go to so I, i'm running this running this program at my daughter's school i agree to run this program um i'm mentoring the kids basically to um give them a little bit of um you know a bit of idea that having a dreams about their sporting careers or whatever careers they want to take it's it's valuable it's important and it's valid so um, i'm going into schools and i'm showing my trophies what the handball looks like i'm running a dare to dream clinics with them and essentially part of that is always a video right they usually watch a little bit of a handball on the tv screens and they you know they have a chance to get introduced to the sport uh and usually like I would say 80% of the time is, okay, we watch the best players, but we want to watch you now. And that's the moment I say, you can, but I need to go to the bathroom when you're watching, okay? So that's uh, essentially how, how it all, all happened at school. Now, that, that's an excellent initiative, I'm not going to lie. Like, I truly applaud what you're doing to mm. just give kids the idea that, you know, if you have a dream and it's related with sports, there's no reason why you can't achieve it. Yeah. That, so... Yeah, especially, especially, especially like empowering. Uh, I'm all about empowering females, empowering young girls, because like I think the sport in Australia and in New Zealand, handball has the biggest chance to grow in a female, uh, female sort of mm. uh, area, just because there is no alternative except uh, netball. So, yeah. as an indoor sport, mm. there is only netball. There is a bit of basketball, but it's not at the level that you know. Um, it should be so i think handball could be a good alternative mm. and just for everyone listening and kids included to make it to the level that you have you know you've been a captain for the australian national team you're captain of the sydney university team um what sort of training regimen have you followed or how much effort goes into mm. getting to the level that you ha- have achieved yeah that's that's kind of a good question because um my life I categorize my life in, in sort of four different ways. So obviously it was my junior and, and, and kids kids level. Then would be probably my um, introduction to to the senior senior world of playing the sport. Uh, and then would be my uh, uh, my my professional career. And at the end would be my career in Australia. So that's sort of four different aspects. And each of the each of those categories of those time frames. As a different training regime, but probably the the one that it's, I really want to talk about is the one when I was a teenager, when that sort of handball became a re- reality for me when I was stepping into the senior level. So we're talking about um, two trainings a day. It was usually a training in the gym in the morning and then a handball training in the afternoon. Um, we're talking about uh, a month before the season camp preparation for the for the for the spot for the league when the league starts, and that sort of went for about uh, I would say eight years something like that where um, I was playing playing uh, in the first league in in European countries, and then moving to Australia on the international level. Obviously, handball is not developed in Australia, so we're talking about self-motivation and uh, sort of that where I want to be, what I want to do with myself. Like I obviously don't have that much competition, but when I have it, 
I need to give 100% all the time. So that was, uh, I would say, probably seven, eight trainings a week, something like that. Wow, okay. Which is still, which is still wow. a lot. But the problem with, with, with Australia, obviously, is the money. So it was a self-funded, most of the time, sport. And so that's, it's interesting that's the you biggest... mentioned the money as well, Tomek, because how do you mm-hmm. balance that? How do you balance that with like essentially a uh, amateur sport in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to self-fund uh, yourself. So you you kind of need a yeah. job as well. Yeah, yeah. So I work like obviously I work full time. Um, I work full time since I got to Australia. Essentially, um, there was always a portion of money uh, that will go to handball and we, my, my wife and I, we, we both know that that's the hobby. And obviously that's where my, if, if I have a choice to buy a new car or to go for a tournament, I would go for a tournament as simple as it is. Um, but thanks to playing internationally with Sydney uni, especially that, um, that sort of helped us gather more attention towards the sport and build up some sponsorship. So, uh, at the moment trips from Sydney uni from the club, cost me really, really, it's a low budget, usually for, for individuals, but um, traveling with the national team, usually I, I have to find a private sponsors to be able to to found that because it's uh, it's usually a big portion, big chunk of money traveling into it. Wow, okay. So well, how would you describe the state of handball in mm-hmm. Australia and New Zealand? Like, how's it come? Where, where's it come from? Yeah. You know, what the last three years look like and where do you think it's going? Yeah, that's, the, well, obviously COVID, COVID disturbed a lot of things, but um, handball is consistently growing right now and in, in, it's still an amateur sport. It's still sort of um, on the black hole of, of handball world, like Australia is at the moment, but because of the Olympics in Brisbane, there's a big funding coming in to to grow and help grow the sport. When you look at the perspective right now, you don't have to be a pro, like. Let's forget about my age group, right? And my and yeah. people that are 20 right now, they're not going to play at the Olympics. We're looking at kids that are 10 to 15 years old. Those are the kids that are going to play at the Olympics. So this is where the interest should go. This is where the money should come in to help those kids to have develop a league for them, create, um, you know, a championships, create a training regime, get involved in high schools. So Sydney Uni, which I represent, has the plan prepared. Everything's in place. We have the plan. We have the coaches that can travel from Europe and they are super interested to do it and to help grow the sport. We're still waiting for the money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Jeez. So it's like essentially Sydney Uni team is going to be the Australian team. Is that roughly like Sydney Uni is the most prepped <laughs> like well, in Australia? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Like there is a lot of clubs like uh, Brisbane, uh, Brisbane clubs like UQ. Like uh, in Sydney, you have UNSW, you have UTS, you have a club called um, St Kilda in in Melbourne. Those clubs are the most dominant clubs inside, and Canberra, obviously. Uh, club those clubs are the most dominant and the goal of each one of them is to have a junior team under that's the essentially the plan that if you want to play professionally <coughs> the kids should have someone to you know to take an example mm-hmm. locally that's how i grew up the love to sport i well 
when I was younger, we didn't have YouTube, right? There was no YouTube. There was no uh, the mo the connection to the internet was a half an hour on the phone, and hopefully that <laughs> nobody's gonna call at the time, right? So yeah, exactly. So <laughs> essentially, I had to use the locals, and the local team, you know, they were my heroes there, like, and that's why I, what I envision of of having in in Australia. Mm. So, so it's all what you're saying is it's going to be linked under these. It's kind of like the EPL in that sense, the structure, if you consider it, because most of mm. the, well, I guess there's there's junior soccer, but um, once they get to that certain age group, they go into that the like, club system, yeah, Liverpool the club mm. system, yeah, and get developed that way. It's not a bad system. It seems to be working really well for them. Yeah, it seems to be working well, well for you, right? We'll we'll see. As I said, like it's it's a matter of. Now it's a matter of months, to be honest with you, about decision how much money is going to come in. I think the International Handball Federation uh, is coming to Australia in, in September. There is a representation that's going to come in, and uh, they want to discuss the proposals that we have. And essentially, yeah, we'll, we'll see what was the suggestions. Yeah, cool. It, is handball in the Commonwealth Games? No, so that's that's our biggest biggest um, problem, right? Because in the Commonwealth Games, if there would be handball, the sudden growth of the sport in Anglo-Saxon countries would triple mm, up. Would triple up? No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So, there's, there's a bit but of going to, on. Uh, it's it's just a consistent <laughs> fight because if they're gonna put handball in the Commonwealth Games, why wouldn't they put other sport, if you know what I'm saying, like there is no handball culture in the Anglo-Saxon countries. So why would would we put something like that instead of putting something that makes more sense to the culture? So it's yeah. tough, like chasing tough. the cheese down the hill. That's right. I hesitate to call that a sport, but. <laughs> That's an accident. <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of interesting things have been classified as Olympic sports now, which you wouldn't have called them about, I don't know, 10 years ago or even five years ago. That's right. And you're going to have breakdance in Paris. Right? Exactly. That was the exact wow. example I had yeah. in mind. So if breakdancing is a really sport, interested in the scoring mechanism there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to be like, uh, I guess is it, it's is going it to be like, like uh, figure skating, right? Figure skating. Yeah, exactly. With figure yeah, skating. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, figure skating. Yeah. Mm. So that's mm. yeah. There's some there's some there's some interesting sports out there. I mean, handball in that sense is not really that smaller sport or that kind of that tiny subset of a sport because no. it is the second largest in Europe and has you know more uh, more players registered globally than like rugby and um, like mm. a lot of other sports that we that mm. we baseball or anything. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And even more countries play it than cricket, so, you know. Yeah. If you go outside of Europe and go to countries like um, Emirates, Saudi Arabia, uh, Qatar, essentially every every suburb there has a hole to play. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and they play handball. And they're one of the biggest nations, Arabic nations, to play handball. So wow. I travel regularly on the on the yearly basis to Middle East and, and compete over there. So, yeah, it's okay. it's massive there. Japan, Korea, uh, all of those countries, handball is massive. 
Wow. Okay. Interesting. So what's the so you've you've led the national team before, and you, you're um, you're leading your current Sydney Uni team. So what's what's that like? Talk us through <laughs> how that experience has been, and like what's your favorite sporting moment when it comes? Oh, to cool. Uh, yeah. So obviously, there's two different aspects with the national team. Um, I've been captain since 2015. I recently just retired. Um, it was great. It, it, it was great to see people with passion with, without anything, you know, um, without any hesitation and that they knew, we knew from the moment we stepped on the court that we're not professionals and leading the, the bunch of people that coming into a professional competition when you play with the guys that, you know, essentially live off handball and still seeing them compete on that level. It's sort of, heartwarming and you know you play for the country which which became my home it came organically and i think that sort of uh, experience helped me to develop that love to australia definitely and to see that people never gave up and you know the australian spirit and all of that 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 definitely i felt that when i was playing with the national team and when i was a captain that's 100 percent out there but with sydney uni team is a little bit different so Sydney Uni is my family, like the club. Uh, and we change players regularly because we have lots of students. We have lots of people that from Europe coming in and they fly out after a season or two or three. Um, but I felt I felt like there's at least a core, core people inside the club that created the club from the basis. And that's sort of a little bit treated. I treat that also as like a baby that's been created and now it's the biggest club in Oceania region. And wow. Wow. that club competes in the Clubs World Cup on the year on the yearly basis. Now we are Oceania champions since 2011, uh, without a break. Wow. So wow. it's it the biggest there was with the biggest sporting moment for me personally was uh, being fourth on the World Cup. So I, I we became fourth team in the whole world on Superglobe, which is wow. the best clubs from each continent. And that was just an uh, amazing feeling. And um, wow. yeah, and basically every championship in Oceania that we, that we win is, and leading that team is just, just fantastic. Yeah, definitely. So Tomek, it's fair to say that you are the um, living legend of handball in Australia. Uh, oh my God. Um, you've won everything. Thank God it's not too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and UNSW just sounds like the Bayern Munich of Oceania handball. Basically, 11 years on the trot. <laughs> you, mean, you mean that you said, not UNSW? Sydney, you, Sydney. Oh, sorry, you said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is there a, there's a bit of a rivalry between Sydney and UNSW from... There is a little bit, um, but the big is, biggest is that... r- biggest rivals in in handball world, uh, in handball in uh, Australian handball is uh, at the moment probably Sydney Uni and U- UQ, the University mm. of Queensland. Okay. Uh, Sydney Uni and Saint yeah, Kilda. Can get behind that. <laughs> Sid- and Sydney Uni That's and basically Saint Kilda. Sydney but, Uni and everyone well, else. <laughs> well, when you when you yeah. dominant for so many years, everybody wants to overthrow the king, right? So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I, I get it, Tomek. We were Manchester United fans. We used to get that a lot. Oh, uh, we did. Lived there, been there. Wait, hang on. No. No, you're not a United I, fan. I am a United fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. What is no, wrong with now, you guys? <laughs> the problem is, the, my biggest problem what now, I have to us? be Barcelona fan from yesterday, right? <gasps> Lewandowski. Uh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's your second team. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. I never, I never really, I never really liked Barcelona. <laughs> Welcome to the club. There's one more thing we can agree on. <laughs> no. If there was an Indian, or well, uh, yeah, if there was an Indian playing for an EPL team, I'll probably have to pick it as my second, second team, team. Hmm. going forward. Definitely yeah. have to watch, yeah. right? Yeah. Tommy, question. As you've just mentioned, you know, you've dominated, your team has dominated um, the Oceania handball scene for 11 years on the trot now. Does that sort of come with like an expectation or a pressure? Like, you know, just maintaining status quo. And, you know, there's this old saying in sport and in life, like, you know, it's easier to get to the top than staying at the top. Does that add any extra pressure? 100%. Like, 100%. There's always, you know, um, there is always that feeling that we have everything to lose, where the other teams has have nothing to lose to play mm-hmm. against us. So definitely, uh, being at the top, it, it becomes lonely, right? Well, that's what I always think. It's <laughs> uh, it's a weird experience, but um, and everybody wants to beat you. Everybody just wants to be there. That you can you score a you score a goal, and there is only um bunch of Sydney Uni fans clapping hands and woo yeah being happy about it, but when the other opposition scores a goal, there feels like the whole crowd just goes bananas. So, yeah, yeah it's it's that sort of thing. Um, I think I'm too old to be pressured now by, you know, by, by those kind of things. Um, but it definitely, it definitely brings um, like a, a butterflies in the stomach that, you know, it's, uh, you st- you're stepping on the court and you, and you, you feel like uh, you feel like you need to perform to to be able to come back with a win, right? Again, so again. <laughs> yeah. So what it sounds like you're saying is that I'd expect Harry Maguire to handle the pressure better in his 40s. Yeah, just wait for it. <laughs> because he'll still you just be as good to be as patient. his 40s. <laughs> he still have the same pace in his 40s. So yeah, well. You know what they say. It's it's like good wine. It just ages well. Right? Hey, works for me. If he's going to take another 20 years to come to his prime, works for me. Well, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be 40 soon, right? Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's, he's not from planet Earth. He's not from planet Earth. He doesn't count in these no. conversations. Him and Messi, nah. No. Okay. That's a better, actually, you know what? That's a better comparison for Tomek. Tomek is the Tom Brady of... Um, oh. Oceani handball. Oh, I'm more like a Kevin Hart than Tom Brady, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen you in person, you are nowhere near Kevin Hart size. <laughs> Maybe not size, but uh, attitude. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So definitely to just to summarize that it's uh, it's been a journey, but. Um, I'm getting to the level that you know um, 
playing handball and being a captain, it's starting to be a bit burden as well because I also, obviously, I'm a father of two and uh, uh, sort of moving from from a house when I have only two kids to a team when suddenly I have 16 kids. It's kind of it's kind of difficult. So I guess you've had especially if you just though, right? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, if you're going with the with the 2021 20, boys on a trip, because then we include the coach, the manager, <laughs> second coach, the physiotherapist, um, and you have 15 mates uh, on the team, and uh, and the coach and the co-coach. They sort of ex- expecting that the captain is gonna take, you know, the pressure of, of the team uh, for outside of the handball zone. You know, I'm I'm the one responsible for them. I'm I'm planning the day. I'm making sure that the team collide and that there is no um, arguments inside the team and stuff like that. Then trust me, it's it's a hell of a work. And <laughs> boys, boys are just boys. Most of them have girlfriends, wives. Um, obviously work and stuff when they're getting out of that environment suddenly they're like 10 years younger yeah. like just, just <laughs> suddenly. and i feel i'm a 10 years older but somebody's got to compensate for the drop in age oh yeah yeah that's right but you know the problem is the problem is um i think i'm reaching i'm reaching certain moment in life that the handle is still very very important and it's part of my life but um, I'm sort of moving towards more that mentor position. I am still helping the young younger players and to develop themselves, but I think I'm going to move towards more that aspect of, of handball, so more coaching and stuff like that in the upcoming years than uh, actually being still player. And, you know, handball had an effect on my body. I can't lie. I have, uh, you know, multiple injuries. I've been injured many, many times. I got lower back arthritis already. I've got um, multiple hamstring um, tears, shoulder is not in the right spot. Like all of those things, you know, combined together creates a a bit of a Picasso, uh, Picasso painting, but you know, um, and and my wife had already enough of listening to me and my (laughs) pains and needles. So I think I'm going to save her that as well a little bit. So probably this is my last year as well to be a captain of the Sydney Uni. I think I'm going to leave my shoes in Saudi Arabia uh, for the last time on the Superglobe because we qualified. So we're flying to to Superglobe in October. And uh, yeah, and that's going to be it on the international sort of level for me as a player, I think. And I'm still going to help the team, but uh, from from the bench probably more. Mm-hmm. So, Tomic, for all our listeners based in Sydney, if they want to see the Tom Brady or the Kevin Hart of handball in action, where can we drop by and actually see yeah. you live? So we we training we training at Sydney Uni on the regular basis. Usually Monday Mondays and Thursdays we are there, and some of the weekends we play the New South Wales League competition at Sydney Olympic Park, uh, just next to. Uh, skate park that's big ramps the monster ramp and where they play badminton in that sort of uh, hall so we play there Saturdays from the competition starts at 9am goes to midday or something like that Um, but there's going to be as I mentioned before there's going to be probably change to that and be more professional level so yeah Um, 
but yeah, at the moment there's the two areas and there is uh, a social competition where you can just rock up and play. Uh, and that's in uh, Sydney Boys High School in Cleveland Street every Friday. Basically down the road from me. Perfect. Basically. You, you should come over on Friday, get a team. And, uh, Aren't a you still in high sport. school, Shivank? Are you saying he's a Kevin Hartsize? Yeah. You've seen me in person. I am Kevin Hart size. Now, okay. Well, I will see you at Sydney Boys High School sometime when you're over here for a social game. Okay. Uh, I keep your promise for that. Sounds good. Well, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Thank you to our panel for their thoughts and opinions. And thank you to Tomek for joining us, taking the time out while he's on holiday in Poland and having a great conversation with us, educating our listeners and us included on the sport of handball. If you want to get sports nerdy with the team, you can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We go by the handle at the Backpass Pod. We'll be back next week with more sports analysis and banter right here on the Backpass. Pass.